Well, we turn to Romans, this um, powerful book. I've entitled this book, The Gospel of God. And the reason why I entitled this book of Romans, The Gospel of God, is because in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we have eyewitnesses of what Jesus Christ came to do. But in Romans, we don't have men's eyewitnesses. We have God telling us exactly what Christ came to do. And so we again begin our study um, in Romans for, for um, this Sunday. I'll break again because next week is a baptism and we look forward to that day. But we're here in Romans 7 um, this morning. So my first heading then this morning, the sinful nature. Paul wants to remind us in Romans 7 that men and women are controlled by the sinful nature. He goes on to say that the, the reason why the sinful nature bounds men, the reason why the sinful nature holds men down is because of law, God's law. And it causes the sinful nature to react to the law of God. Now if I was to um, hold up this box here, I want to say to you that... Um, there's something very special in this box, but I don't want you to look inside of it. I know what you're thinking immediately. You're saying, I wonder what's in it. And then you probably think to yourself, when Jerry goes away, you know what, I might just have a little peek and see what's actually inside this box. But I'm telling you, I don't want you to look in this box. And now I've told you not to look in this box, you're already thinking to yourself, what's in this box? If this box was in the shop window, you won't be bothered. But now I've told you that I don't want you to look inside. You're beginning to ask yourself, I really want to look inside. It's going to be here. You know, that is what law does. Law brings guidelines. Law brings restrictions. And the sinful nature hates guidelines and restrictions. The nature, the sinful nature, is wild. The sinful nature is disobedient. And the only way to show how wild and disobedient your nature is, is to place restrictions and laws on it, so you can see just how wild and disobedient your nature is. You know, when I was growing up as a young boy, I should grow up um, on a steady diet of, of cowboy films. I should walk around my house with a, a cowboy belt around my waist and, you know, a holster and a plastic gun. And I grew up with um, John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. I was walking around my house saying things like, get off your horse and drink your milk. And that was me growing up as a cowboy. And I remember that in the cowboy films, when they get a horse, they don't go to the horse market and buy one. They normally get this horse wild from the, the country somewhere. And, and they get this horse and a cowboy or a cowgirl will get on the horse 
and the horse will kick and buck and try to get the rider off its back. That is what the sinful nature is like. When God places law on you, the sinful nature will buck and kick and don't want to do what God was wanted to do. It, it's wild and disobedient. The issue is, people do not want to face up to the fact that we all have a sinful nature. They don't want to face up. We live in a society that says now, you know, what's good for you, you can do it. What's good for me, I can do it. We live in a society where people turn around and say to one another, well, you know, I'm not going to judge you for what you're doing. If you want to do that, then you can do that. And if I want to do that, don't judge me. And we carry on in our society like that. I read in the news the other day in New Mexico, a woman there in New Mexico, she finds her 19-year-old son that she adopted a few years ago. He came back to, into her life. And, and this woman and her son, they started a, a sexual relationship. She's 39. Her son is 19. And I read this story. I was appalled. And yet at the end of the story, they say, well, this is a case of genetic sexual attraction. They call it GSA. Now, so now we have in our society this GSA, which means that you can have sex with your own children. A man can have sex with his daughter or a woman with her son. And you think to yourself, what is going on in our society? But that is what we're saying. You do what you want to do, that's fine. When I was writing this, the song came in my mind by Billy Paul. Me and Mrs. Jones. We've got a thing going on. We both know that it is wrong, but it's much too strong to let it go now. I know you're all saying it with me in your head, you know, don't, don't, don't. Don't be embarrassed. I know you're saying it with me. This is a song coming into my mind. And this is our nature. This is what we're talking about. The sinful nature is saying, do what you want to do, and I do what I want to do, because that is sensible. That is comfortable. We don't like God's law. In fact, Paul will go one step further and say that the sinful nature binds us. In every way, we have been caught out. Our sinful nature has been revealed and discovered. You know, if it wasn't for speed cameras, every motorist here would say they never ever break the speed limit. But the speed camera is there only to control your speed. But the fact is, it reveals something, doesn't it? It reveals that we do not keep to the speed limit. You drive in London, 20 miles an hour in London, but we want to go 30. You get on the motorway, 70 miles an hour, and if you're driving a, a faster car, you want to go, you want to go 80 and 90. And, and the thing is, the cameras are there. The law is there to control our speed. 
But actually what it does, it reveals that we break the law every day. This is what God is saying here. God is saying you have a sinful nature. And I'm going to show you your sinful nature, says God. I'm going to let you know what you're like. I'm going to lay down my law. I'm going to lay down the Ten Commandments. I'm going to say to you, do not commit adultery. I'm going to say to you, do not murder. I'm going to say to you, do not covet. And when I say that to you, you know what you're going to do? You're going to have something in your heart that says, I want to do what God tells me I shouldn't do. That's a sinful nature. You have it. I have it. We all have a sinful nature. And here it is. I think I didn't get the verse out of the Bible, but for when we were in the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law was at work in us. We all have this sinful nature. Second thing I want to say this morning is this. The fruitful nature. See, Paul says something happened. Something took place. We've all got this sinful nature, but Paul says something takes place. What has taken place? Let's read it. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. In order for you to belong to God, something had to happen. The sinful nature had to die. This is how important the cross is. You see, the cross that we looked at last week is so vitally important because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he defeated and broke the power of sin in your life. The law with its demands, the law with its requirements, the Ten Commandments, you look at them, the Ten Commandments, one to ten, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul and mind, right through to the end of, of the commandment. Those Ten Commandments, you look at them and say, it's impossible. How can I keep those commands? But the Bible says this, when Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, the Bible says, Christ is the end of the law. Christ is the end. See that Ten Commandments? See all the laws of God? The Bible says Christ is the end of man trying to reach God. That's what it means. Christ is the end of man's efforts. Man trying to please God. Man trying to say, if I do all the Ten Commandments, then God's going to accept me because I obey his command and that's all I need to do. Christ is the end of the law. That's what the Bible says. So that righteousness might be given to everyone who believes. When Christ died on that cross, my dear friends, you need to believe that he died for you. When Christ was whipped and beaten and uh, had the, uh, the crown of thorns laid upon his brow, 
When Christ was nailed to the cross, you need to believe that Christ died for you. And it was a personal thing. It wasn't just for anyone in the world. It was specifically for you. Since God created you in his own image, when he sent Christ to die, he died for you. But not only did Paul leave it at his death, Paul turns around and says, it didn't end at the cross. No, no, no. On the third day, the tomb was empty. And we have it again in our, in our, in our previous Bible first episode. Get it up again, that verse there, where it says this. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the Lord through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another. Here it is. To him who was raised from the dead. Christ's resurrection is so vitally important. Not only must you believe in the fact that he died for you, but you've got to believe as well that he rose again for you. The resurrection is so vitally important that when... He rose on the first day. He went in to see the disciples. Ten of the disciples were there. But one was missing. And because the one was missing, because Thomas wasn't with the ten when Jesus appeared for the first time, Jesus had to make sure Thomas knew about the resurrection. And so we read in um, John's Gospel. Let's get it up again. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed, more approved, honoured are those who have not seen me and yet have believed the resurrection my dear friends is so important men want to run around and and, and hold on to the ten commandments and say I must do these things but God says no 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 it's not obeying the ten commandments Christ is the end of the law what you need to do is believe and have faith in me the one who died and was raised again from the dead This is so important. Why is it so important? Two reasons why believing in the resurrection, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Two reasons why this is very important. The first is this. So that you may belong. That you may belong to God. Once you belong to Satan and to his kingdom you must hear me this morning you must see this this morning there is only two kingdoms in the Bible it's everywhere look at it around your whole Bible it's everywhere, there's only two kingdoms the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan there's only two fathers in the Bible 
There's God the Father, and there's the Satan who is a father. There's two families. There's the family of God and the family of Satan. There's only two. And you are either in one or you're in the other. There's no middle ground here. You know, I was appalled, as some of you were as well, this week, when we heard about the shooting of young people over in Walthamstow and over in Tottenham. A young boy of 16 loses his life in Walthamstow. A young girl of 17 loses her life over in Tottenham. And there's other young people throughout uh, our borough dying, being murdered, And when you hear that, you think, that is the devil's work. Surely, it's the devil's work. Because the devil, you know, he must love these things. And you're right, it is the devil's work. But look how Jesus put it. He says this, speaking about Satan, and speaking to the Jews. He said to them, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out his, your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So not only is the devil a murderer, and we all look at murderers and say, isn't that horrible, isn't that nasty, murderers are are, are doing the devil's work. But I want to tell you this morning, the devil is the father of liars as well. And if I was to ask you to put your hands up if you told a lie, every hand should go up. Can you see what I'm saying about the kingdom of the devil? Here he is. He has a kingdom. He is a father of liars. He's a father of, of, of murderers. He's a father of every sin between lying and murdering. Whatever you want to choose. Here is the devil and he has his kingdom and he has his people. But look what the Bible says. Praise be to God, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Hear what God has done. Listen to what the Lord has done. You and I were in the kingdom of darkness. Here we are in Satan's kingdom, under his control, lying and deceiving and doing all manner of different things. But what God has done, he translated you. He delivered you. And me, and taking you out from the kingdom of darkness and placed you into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Thanks, Jim. I was about to say that myself. Praise be to God. He's translated, delivered, moved you from one kingdom into another kingdom. That's what He's done. I hope he's done that to you this morning because there's some people here, I'm not sure if you're in that kingdom yet. You might still be over there. That's what God's done. He's translated us and rescued us from that kingdom. That's the first thing he's done. The second thing that why the resurrection, believing in the resurrection is so important is not only to belong but also 
in bearing. Let's look at this verse here. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law to the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. See, some people think, well, I can forget the Ten Commandments, and all I need to do then, Pastor, is just to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. All I need to do is to believe that he died for me. That's easy. I can do that all day long. I can believe in, in Jesus dying for me. I can believe in the resurrection of Jesus, and I can come to church every Sunday, and I can do that. But Paul states very clearly that you are saved, you are born again in order to bear fruit. What does it mean? Well, your lives should be recognized. Your Christian lives should be different. And the way that men can see your Christian life is different by the way you are bearing fruit fruit in your life. Jesus was speaking to a group of people and he was telling them that they have to change their thinking, change their actions, they have to repent. And as he was speaking to them, he gave this parable. Let's just read this parable. Here it is. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard and he went to look for fruit on it but did not find any So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. What was Jesus saying in this parable? He was saying this. A person who does not change his thinking, a person who does not change his actions, a person who doesn't repent, is like this fig tree. They might have contact with Jesus, they might have contact. They may be in church. They may be baptized. They may be reading their Bibles. They may have contact with Jesus for a number of years. But what God looks for in your life is fruit. That is what he's looked for. And what he says here is this, that if you do not bear fruit, says um, the, um, the parable, cut it down. Why should it take up room? Listen. The only evidence that you are saved. Now hear me very clearly. The only evidence that you are a born again Christian is that you produce fruit in your lives. That is the only evidence. Don't tell me about obeying commands. Don't tell me about how good you are. The only evidence that you are truly saved is if you produce fruit in your life. Don't take my words. Let's listen to Jesus. What does Jesus say in John's gospel? I am the true vine and my father the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. 
every branch. Here I am, I'm the vine. In me is life. And when a branch is connected to me, when a branch is grafted into me, guess what? It will bear fruit. But every branch that thinks it's connected to me, I can tell because it's not doing any fruit bearing. I've got to cut it off. Listen to him again. You did did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And again, if you remain in me, you are like a branch. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Some serious words from Jesus. He's not pulling any punches. He's not saying, keep the Ten Commandments. Make sure you obey everything that Moses said. He's not saying that. Yes, the commandment, is the law is good, but he's not saying you are saved by doing that. No, Christ is the end of the law. But what he is saying is that if I'm going to look to see if you're truly saved, I want to see you bearing fruit in your life. Okay, let's wrap this sermon up and, and move to the third and final point because it just follows through. The spirit-filled nature. We looked at the sinful nature. We looked at the fruitful nature. But now I want to finish off by looking at the spirit-filled nature. Look what Paul says in Romans 7. So that was in, let's go back, Romans 7, 6. It just says this. But now by dying to what was bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit. We serve in the new way of the spirit. Even in the Old Testament, you know, um, the Lord doesn't want men to use their strength. That verse that just came up here, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's everywhere in the Bible. God doesn't want your strength, doesn't want your abilities. It wants his spirit to work in you. So some of you may be asking me, well, pastor, you've been speaking about bearing fruit. I never heard that before. That term is new to me. What do you mean, bearing fruit? What do you mean that if I'm going to be a Christian, a born-again Christian, I have, what do you mean by those terms? I haven't heard them before. That's okay, I understand. This is what Paul says in Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit, let me stop right there. Paul says that the Spirit has a fruit. And what Jesus is saying to you this morning is this. If you have my Spirit living and dwelling inside you, if you are filled with my Spirit, if you are controlled by my Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit will be in your life. Well, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, here it is. Love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These fruits should be in your life. How? 
by being filled by the Spirit of God. But I hear someone else saying to me, but pastor, how can I be filled with the Spirit of God? Simple. Cry out to God for a change. Cry out to God. We get so caught up with praying for so many things. Lord, I pray for my aunt this and my uncle this and I pray for my my father, my mother, pray for my cat and my dog, I pray for the sun to shine or pray for it to rain and we just pray for but one thing we don't often pray for is Lord, won't you fill me with your spirit, that's the prayer that Christians should be praying yes we can pray for all the other things that's all nice and good but how about the essential things that believers should be praying, Lord I'm crying out to you this morning that you fill me because I want to have the fruits being developed in my life I want to be more loving I want to be more self-controlled. I want to be more patient. Lord, I want to see these fruits growing because that's the only way that people can tell that I'm a Christian. I want to look and I want to see those fruits growing in my life. My dear friends, all of us still have that sinful nature wanting to kick against the law of God, wanting to disobey God. All of us have it. But I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is saying that if you are filled with my spirit, then you will be controlled by another. You will be producing something that you can't produce yourself. It won't be by might or by power, but it will be by my spirit, says the Lord. And there'll be fruit in your life. How can I tell that you're a believer? Oh, you're in church. That doesn't prove anything. How can I tell that you're a believer? Oh, you're raising your hand in worship. Don't mean anything. How can I tell that you're a believer? Oh, you take communion. The bread and the wine doesn't mean anything. How can I know that you're a believer? I can know when you produce the fruits of the Spirit of God in your life. You're more patient. You're more loving. You're more kind. You're more gentle. That is the work of the Spirit of God. Someone said, well, that's boring, isn't it? No. That's not boring. I want a gift. Someone, the, the fruit, give me the gifts. The gifts are more exciting. No, you can't have the gifts without having the fruits. Let's stop right there and believe God to change us. And the only way people are going to see you being changed, I'm telling you now, is in your household. Let your wife see that you're more gentle with her. Let your husband see that you have more patience. Believe me, we husbands need a lot of that patience from our wives. May people around see that there's fruit coming out of your life. Because that is what Romans 7 is talking about. And as we go through Romans, we will learn that the sinful nature is against the spirit. And we have to be filled with the spirit of God in order to be truly called born again. My dear friends, are you born again? Are you walking with Christ? Are you having contact with Jesus? If that's the case, may it be shown by the fruit in your life. Let's pray.